Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast for Monday, April 25th, 2016. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab. The podcast by, for, and about working musicians and weekend warriors here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Las Gatas, California, it's Paul Kent. How was your weekend, Paul? Did you gig? I had a, a one acoustic gig on Friday, and I think I shared last week, the House Rockers have until May 14th off, which is our longest stretch yep. in a really long time. And a lot of the guys went and took some trips and stuff like that. We're getting back to the rehearsal studio on Tuesday uh, we have a pretty aggressive, you know, we're going to rehearse four more times before pretty much we're gigging so much that uh, that we're not going to rehearse anymore. Uh, but I set a pretty aggressive goal for the guys. We have five new songs. We want to get locked down in four rehearsals. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so I, I uh, you know, we use Slack as our um, as our band communication tool. That's really interesting. I had um, I had been thinking about using that for uh for fling for the same reason um especially as we've been doing this recording and having you know a different channel for every uh every right. tune and yeah that kind of thing and that works well for you slack does it works great so the first thing slack does so for people who don't know slack is it's a it's a a, a cloud-based tool so so um it lives up in the in the sky somewhere and um it takes the it replaces email greatly and it's kind of like a combination of of, of chat rooms where you can chat one-to-one with people privately, or you can have group chats. You can set up these channels. So like we have a, a channel set up for gig prep, a channel for new song ideas, a channel set up for, for gig ideas if someone sees a place that we should go. So it, And then it's all searchable, which is really, really great. So you're basically dumping your, your whole band's conversation into this tool, and you can search for stuff. And you can share files and do that type of thing with it. So yeah. Slack has really been wonderful because email is horrible for for threaded conversation oh, type it, things. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you don't email, realize how bad it sucks until you get off it. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I, you know, we've been, I've been doing the virtual company thing for a long time as, as have you. Right. And yep. outside of music, uh, although music is probably the most sort of organic virtual company thing, because you're not all in the same office all day, you go and play on stage together, but you've got to coordinate all this stuff. Right. Yep. And years ago, I mean, like decades ago, did away with email almost immediately when we started Mac Observer and it was uh, we used AOL Instant Messenger, which was fine, but better than email for a group chat, you know, but uh, over time, things, new things came out. We moved to Skype for a while and then and then, yeah, we've been on on Slack with all the companies. Um, Fling is the only holdout. And yeah, I, I. Why are they holding out? Oh, you know, people have different reasons. It's it's um, it's not even worth going into, to be frank with you. But uh, we, we had a couple of holdouts that were a little uncomfortable with it, or they didn't get it quite configured right, so they weren't getting notifications. Yeah, and a lot of people are just used to email. Like any it's, technology, it becomes a comfort zone thing. Yeah, but it's right? so terrible for this stuff, and that's really that's is. the problem is that people are used to email and they're like, "Well, this works." It's like. No, it's it's fundamentally broken because it's not built for the big problem with email. 
for people that 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 don't live in the tech world, you, you, you know, you you use email and you may not realize, like Paul said, how how broken it is. The the problem with it is that you know you get if you have a lot of people that need to work on many things together for the greater good of the whole, right? Which a band is one, a business is another. You wind up with these with, with multiple conversations happening simultaneously, and it's impossible to find your place if you like. Well, didn't he say that about this? What, what did he say we're doing at that part in this song? What time do we have to get to the gig? And now you're digging through sixteen other conversations that are happening in parallel just to get to that one key bit of information. It's it's flawed. Yeah, yeah. So I highly recommend Slack. You can small teams can use it for free. Um, you know, there are some value added services if you, if you want to pay, if you know, which mostly apply to enterprises, bigger companies, but uh, we get by with the, with the basic service just fine. It has been a game changer for a lot of things. I mean, you know, again, the searchable quality of everything that is dumped into Slack. So you can go back and find one piece of information, central repositories for, um, documents. It integrates with things like Dropbox and with, you know, Google Docs. So there's just a lot of reasons to like it when you have to do a lot of communication. And so, and, and where I started this conversation was, so I, I told the guys, we're going to rehearse four more times. There's five. And I wrote a little sermon. I said, dudes, this is it. Let's be the pros that we are. Preparation is key. Don't be the one guy who shows up to rehearsal and forgot his notes or forgot his charts or, you know, shows up to rehearsal and says, yeah, I didn't have time after nine other guys have put in the time, you know, to, you know, to prepare. So I'm really pushing uh, the band hard. But, and, you know, my, my group has been really quite good. I mean, this, this band works pretty hard. I got to say, you know, we don't have slackers. We have, we have momentary drops of, of, uh, of focus. Sure. But, you know, I I think it's been one of the interesting things as our band has gotten better and has gotten more successful and gotten more popular. Um, the guys work ethic as our group work ethic. That's really what it is. It's our group work ethic. The amount that you don't want to be the one guy who's, you know, holding things back. The group work ethic has really increased every year that the band has gotten better, which that's is good. a really fun thing to watch. I mean, that, that's growth. That, that, that's, right. that's when you feel like as a unit, you are going through something together, not like one guy's doing great or, you know, different people thinking the band is only achieving because of me or because of that. There's a, there's a team sensibility that is sharing in a lot of the success, which really, it really helps feed the success. It kind of feeds onto it, itself. Yep. Yeah. No, that, that's for sure. Ah, that's good. That's good. Well, I, I am eager to hear how that uh, turns out. And I'm also eager to hear, perhaps not here on the show, but it, between the two of us, what those songs are so that I can, you know, start learning them from when I have to fill in, in this summer. So, yeah, just, I'll tell you right now. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, yeah. get your pencil and paper. I do. Yeah. So, we're doing this really fun version of Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy, that, that uh, country song. Yeah, I know the by song. Big and Rich. Big and Rich, oh. yeah. Yep, and but we have a long, extended, like, it's really very fun. Um, we we put a couple of rap songs about two-thirds of the way through. So we put in, like, um, a Chili Pepper song, um, a House of Pain song, um, and a couple other things. And Steve, our bass player, you know, who's like, Steve is like a middle linebacker, you know, he's, he looks like a a Viking, a Norse (laughs) Viking. (laughs) And and so he actually hands the bass to Nick 
for this part and we feature Steve and he's really good at rapping. So oh, nice. it's visually fun yeah. and, it's, and it's just like, it's something you don't expect. So that's kind of cool. Sweet. Um, and then all the way on the other side of things, um, Nick is doing Ain't No Mountain High Enough, kind yep. of the Funk, funk Brothers. And, uh, and he's doing Rich Girl by Hall and Oates. Oh, that's awesome. Right? Oh, man. That's great. Yeah. And then uh, the two that I have are, are Best Days, Best Day of My Life, which is American Author. It's kind of a newer a thing. But it's kind of fun to do a newer song that's not that's not you know Justin Timberlake or Bruno Mars. I mean, the temptation is to go straight to those things. Sure. To actually take some of the newer rock bands, and you know, American Authors is you know pretty much a rock band. Uh, and so we've taken this thing, and it has kind of a I don't know, kind of a, almost like a bluegrass, like it has a banjo part in it yep. that we're replacing with horns. So we're yeah. going to see how that goes. Wow. And then the last one is timely for this conversation. We already do DMSR as one Prince oh, tune, yep. but of all the happenings of, of the past week and the, the really tragic passing of Prince, you know, I feel compelled to do more. Um, I think most people are probably going right to Purple Rain. Uh, there are a lot of hits to choose from, obviously. Sure. Um, but we're going to do Let's Go Crazy. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to play that with the uh, with the the blues trio that I played with down in Texas. And that was nice. Yeah, it was always fun to, to do it that way. Oh, well, that's good. All right. Well, so I'll I'll add those to my uh, my, <laughs> my my list of things I should keep listening to. So I do know I still owe you a uh, uh, like a show tape so you can kind of see how we do these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. That, well, so I want to that's um, th- there's a couple things and, and then we can talk we can kind of wrap up the show talking about prince but there's two things i wanted to to bring up and that's one of them is uh recording show tapes i've gone out you know i i've been trying to go out and see more bands and stuff uh because it's good you know a it's it's just it's a fun thing to do and i enjoy going to see bands and and then uh you know you can always learn stuff and and it's just it's good to get out right when you're not gigging and it's made me realize you know, you, it's it's very easy to get into your own headspace about the quality that you're delivering, you know, to the people in the in the in the house. Right. And the only way that you can really tell what they're hearing is to either, you know, audio or videotape yourself or both. Right. And it's been a while since I've done that with fling and. I, you know, I, I, it's something every band should do just to spot check yourself. You know, we all know we have our, our good moments. We have our skills, we have our weaknesses, you know, all of those things. And that's fine. You know, nobody hits the stage expecting that they're, you know, perfect. At least I certainly don't, but it's good to spot check and just make sure, Hey, are those parts that you think are going really well? Are they going really well? And then the spots that aren't, you know, that you think aren't going well, how bad is it? You know, and how much polish do you need? Because it it's really easy to lose sight of that and wind up sort of in a habit where, and I've seen this with bands and I know it happens to, to me too, where, you know, you're like, oh, we've got that dialed in. We don't need to worry about it. And then it sort of slips over time. And then you go and listen to a live recording of it you know, of yourself doing it. And it's like, Oh wow, those harmonies are out of tune. You know, those kinds of things. And I've, I see it with bands, right? So how often do you spot check the house rockers? Well, I wouldn't say that the house trackers are are kind of self spot checking all the time, but not in that way. So, so we, we definitely will come to common, common understandings of, 
things that we're repeatedly doing wrong sure. or, or things that never got to the place. And we have conversations about whether uh, songs are going over the way that we wanted to. But, but even though we have this, this personas digital board and it's not much to do, um, we, we have not been vigilant about recording and listening back. Um, and I actually, I want to say this, but I want to say this carefully, you know, it, it's, it, there's, there's a little bit of uh chemistry risk. In yes. This, right. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's How, how's thing, that for right? a politically way to share that? Well, no, that, that, that's right. Yeah. It, well, there's the chemistry risk by highlighting the thing that you know, you can't change about someone else. Right. I mean, there's that. Right. You know, if you've got somebody that's weak at one thing or another and, 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 you know, we've talked about this, you can focus is something you can control immediately. Uh, skill level is something that takes time, right? So you can't expect someone to just be, you know, better at, at, at something overnight. But, um, so yeah, I, I get that. But then there's also just the chemistry risk of you're all having fun doing this, dissect it too much. Yeah. And it becomes unfun, even if there's I'm no sterile. one one person that, that you need to, you know, that, that, that the light shines on. Yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's hard. But but, you know, when I walk into a club and I hear a band singing a tune that they clearly think they're doing a great job with and everything's great, except, you know, one of the vocals is just out of tune every chorus. And it's like, yeah. huh, do we do that? I don't think so. You know, I especially. Think- Vocals, I think I would know in the moment because I'm, I'm that's kind of what a, I'm saying. I'm kind of a like, jackass about that. But there's got to be something else that I'm overlooking right in the there, moment. There's a mojo thing, right? So, so you know, you can tell on stage a lot, and if the feedback you get from from a recording is different from what you're thinking, remember there's there's a there's a little bit of a chasm in between those two things. What Correct. you're actually experiencing and what the you know the cold hard facts say about things. Um, I would think though, you know, if you're paying attention, there are obvious things. And again, we have enough obvious things that, you know, ugh, you know, should have, should have caught that. You know, if, if you come out of any gig, we probably have four or five things. Oh yeah. We have a, like a quick conversation about, Hey, watch that, watch that, watch that. And, uh, and that, that's enough to keep you going for another week of, of just to do stuff to kind of iron out some of the things that you need to do. Yeah, I mean, there is a point of overanalysis. There, there is, and some would say not, but I, I think that there is. No, I, I think that there is. I, I have I have experienced it, and I find the the amount of time that exists between playing the show and listening to the show, uh, the greater the amount of time, the easier that analysis is, because mm-hmm. the fun factor of the gig is still um, malleable. Uh, say on the ride home, or even the next day. Right. So if I found and I've done this, this is why I found this listening to the gig I just played on the way home seems like the perfect time to do it. You know, it's fresh in my head. I remember how it felt on stage. Now I know what I want to know what it sounded like here. And, and you know, some of these nitpicks and nuances I want to hear. No, I, I do not want to hear that stuff then because it's going to. Yeah, it's going to shatter, potentially shatter the mojo. And yeah. and so it's good to give it a, for me. It's good to give it a couple of days. But I feel like as a pro. You can you need to be able to be self-critical 
in a way that doesn't totally rock your own world, you know, and, and shatter all your confidence. Yeah. I, I mean, I really think that's important and it's not easy, but you have to, and it, it's like anything else. Practice makes perfect. You just need to get used to it. And I think part of it is exactly what you said. You need to know that there's this chasm between what translates to an audience and what you hear on a recording. And a lot of the little nitpicks, even if you were in the audience and heard the nitpicks, most of the audience wouldn't even notice them there, let alone on a recording where it's, it's a totally different thing, you know? So I, but, but I think it's important to do it, but to develop as a musician, you should, you should be aware of, of these, these things and occasionally spot check stuff. I, I think it's important. Uh-huh. I, I think if you were to boil it down, you need to be in tune in pitch all the time. That, that, that matters, right? Yes. You need to know the forms of your songs. And, you know, if you come across something in a gig where, where guys are playing something that's clashing, that should be a, that should just be a list of things that you need to do to, um, you know, yeah, and you kind of post gig notes. Do you guys actually do that? Do you do post gig notes? Oh, totally. Oh yeah. Every yeah, yeah. gig. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, maybe not right at the gig, um, sometimes right at the gig and sometimes, uh, you know, we usually all, uh, come back here to my place because most of the guys keep, uh, at least some of their gear here and we keep the PA here. So, you know, we, we come back here to unload and there's usually a little conversation that, that kind of evolves out of that. And, and that's a good time to sort of do it. Cause you've had at least a little time in the car to decompress and, and all of that. Um, but, but yeah, a little bit of that happens. And then, and then probably for a week, Afterwards, you know, there'll be like a little bit of uh, back and forth dissection, but, um, but you know, that th- there's those obvious things you notice on stage that, like you said, the intonation, uh, both vocally and instrumentally, and then, um, form stuff. But with the recording, you're going to catch things. You just, it, that are really hard to catch in the moment. It's, it's hard for any one person to be a producer all night long. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there are moments where, well, I got to focus on my thing right now to get it right. Y- you know what I mean? There's, there's, and, and then some stuff is, you know, more or less autopilot and you can sort of pay attention to what's going on. But you might have developed a thing where you suddenly realize, wow, y- you know, over time. And th- this is the stuff that I'm talking about, that it just develops slowly. And now you wind up having this version of a song that certainly is different than the original. And that's OK. But, you know, you find you might find that, wow, everybody's playing in the verses and they need to be more sparse. Like this is this is becoming overkill. And and that's the kind of stuff that's hard to notice in the moment because it happens true. so gradually. Yeah, true, true. I'll say this, though. Um, maybe more certainly as informative is videoing your band and to- seeing oh, what totally. you look like. Yeah. Right. Yes. Because right, that, that's something reason. that you don't have as much of a sense. Well, actually, you know, most of the time you're facing the audience and right. you're not looking at each other. And if you want to get an idea for how entertaining your band is visually, mm-hmm. that's that's particularly useful. Totally. Yeah. 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 I had one band um, or actually one practice room in Texas that uh, I put a mirror on one of the wall on, on one of the walls and the band faced it. And it was because the room was small and sort of cramped. Um, it was easier for me to put my drums up against a wall facing the wall, but it meant that if we rehearsed people, everyone was going to be behind me. I was like, well, screw it. I'll just fill the wall with a mirror. Now I can see them. They can see me, but it actually kind of helped us uh, be a, be a little more aware of, you know, what we looked like uh, 
but as we as we played so but but you're right yeah videotape is is what um it's really helpful it's so it's super helpful yeah so this week paul i'm in uh i'm in theater mode i've got a one week long run well it's actually a three night run we had a rehearsal last night um we'll have well there are rehearsals tuesday wednesday thursday and then and then friday saturday sunday are the are the shows and uh that's something where the um the 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 feedback is in it has to be instant and it has to be kind but not sugar-coated <laughs> you know i guess i guess the right way that's to say a, it that's is, a business environment is that's a little bit different right that this oh, is it's like, totally a business environment yeah it's like you're, and you're buying into the concept that there's a conductor who is the defined leader like there's correct. no mincing words nope. the dynamic of that feedback loop is quite different than than a a band, you know, well, most, most of the weekend bands that, you know, yes. people listen to us would be. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But it, but it's, it's, again, it's a good experience because it's like, oh yeah, you know, you, it, it, it teaches me to accept that feedback without it being taking it personally. It, you know, yeah. it's um, yeah. because, because I do shift between worlds. Right. So I'm in the, you know, the rock band world for a while, you know, months at a time without doing a theater show. And then I'll dive into the theater world for you know a week or a couple of weeks and it's like it's a reminder that oh yeah okay you know that's it's cool and this person's actually making you know our, our goals are all the same make the the you know make the production the best that it can be given everything we yeah. have and um but you know sometimes it's it's um it's harsh not not harsh it's just it's, it's laser focused criticism so it's like, nope, don't play that there. Or you got to slow down here. Nope, that's too loud. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, okay, no problem. You just got to take it in stride and just, you know, but okay, just adjust and tweak and okay. Is that right? Yep, that's great. Awesome. Sweet. It's, um, but it's crazy because it's, you know, there's so many people and so many truly moving parts um, that pull it all together. And then it's kind of fun when it, when it comes together because it, it's always rough at the beginning. <laughs> it's been interesting to hear you talk about your experiences doing this stuff. I mean, again, it's it's so outside the box of like a, you know a cover band experience, mm. um, and it you know stretches your chops and it's a different level of focus. It's been interesting to hear you share your preparation and how much you actually enjoy it. I, you know, I, I get the sense that it's touching like a a pure musicianship nerve with you. Like, okay. There's, there is no wiggle room. You must, you must produce. Therefore, you must prepare. Therefore, you know, yep. you know, because because a mistake here is tragic. You are literally hanging somebody out to dry potentially. <laughs> literally, yeah, literally, right. But but it's also, um, you know, bearing in mind the the common goal of putting on a a show, right? That that needs to be entertaining to the people that are there and. Uh, you know, it'll, I'm sure it'll happen in this run and it happens in almost every run that there's, I'll make a mistake. I'll make a mistake. Hopefully I don't make too many given the, the short run that we have, but I'm sure I'll make some and everybody will make them. But when I make a mistake, the goal is to, you know, catch back up with the, with the actors and, 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 and singers and, and just, you know, blend back in when the singers, actors slash singers make a mistake it's our job to catch them, right? It doesn't matter if they just skip three bars of this song. You know, it's not our job to finish the song as it was written. It's our job to finish the song with that person out there that's singing. You know, it's like, and it's interesting, especially 
this one will be in a theater where no one is miked. So, um, it, I mean, the singers are just singing into the air. And there's times when they're way uh, downstage from us. We're kind of upstage at the, you know, at the very back of the stage. And, and there'll be times when, and there will be a lot of them singing. And they can't hear us because there's so many people around them also singing. And I and I know it'll happen. And, you know, they'll start to speed up or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, we got to find where they are. We need to listen, which is also interesting because they're way, way over there, you know, <laughs> but hopefully singing loudly enough that we know where they are. So, yeah, it's a. Um, it's a fun it's a fun thing because it it still feeds that same basic uh live without a net, right? You, you, the, mm-hmm. This is all happening in front of a crowd and you want it to be as entertaining as possible and just cuz that person screwed up, you know, th- that's there's no place for hey, let's highlight the fact that you need to get that right. No, no, we'll talk about it later if we need to, but for now, let's just make everybody look good. That's that's good. It's a, it's actually kind of a nice little family thing that, that develops a lot of trust back and forth, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'm sure I'll have uh, a debrief next Monday after we uh, finish the run Sunday night. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. So, so, you know, we've had it's 2016 has been quite a year for losing iconic and, and even additional big names from the music industry. And, yeah. and uh, certainly I think last week I would say is, is probably the most earth shaking of all of them. A, the stature of Prince B that he was 57 years old. That Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and we don't know exactly what, right. I mean, it was, it was uh, likely Percocet related. That's the latest thing I've heard, but yeah. you know, why speculate on that? Right. Well, um, because he was 57. I mean, it, that's the reason to, to speculate. It's it's not like it was it was this long term health thing that led him to this. Uh, but, you know, it was. I only say why speculate because it's it's like, it you know something's going to come out, whatever it is, and you know at the moment with this so fresh in everybody's mind, I think it's it's someone of that stature. It's really appropriate to just you know not not tarnish until the the final. Info is out. Yeah, but that, don't, that's why I say, but don't hang on though. We can't over polish these people either. I, and I don't mean I, my intention here isn't to badmouth Prince or anyone, but there's been too much pedestal putting for Prince. He, he was a fantastic artist. Don't get me wrong, but I, we've got there's a lot of people out there putting him up and and treating him as as you know like godlike. And that's he's he was a human, right? Like the rest of us. And it sounds like he might have made. A mistake and that's i mean it sucks right i would have loved to have seen him i never got to see him right. um and he did so much for so many people in the music industry that it's i mean it's just terrible that he's gone so it, it so could be a mistake it, it, it could be a mistake F- fair enough dave I, I would just say this um pedestal the interesting thing that's come about prince you know since the word of his passing you know, there's not a lot. There hasn't been a lot about him on the internet because he would take so much stuff down, right? So, right, he's a really private guy. Yeah, private guy, and also had very firm beliefs about the internet and people taking his music and that type of thing. Yep, that's true. But the stuff that comes out or is coming out now in, in different ways, and maybe it had been available, but you know, you you wouldn't look for this stuff unless you're you know a huge Prince fan. Here's the thing: I've seen videos of him in the last couple of days of him playing flawless 
brilliant jazz piano. I've seen videos of him in the last couple of days, not only of some of the great rock solos that he's known for, but, you know, and the amazing funk lines that he did. But again, really accomplished, difficult, sitting in with, you know, flight A jazz players. Yeah. He was a great bass player. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of talent in that man, uh, and I wasn't a huge, huge Prince fan. I liked him. Um, and, you know, in, in the 80s, it was it was Prince, Bruce, Michael Jackson, and Madonna were kind of right. owned that middle section of the 80s there. That's right. Uh, and you got to say, that's four pretty good ones. You know, that's a lot of quality music that people really meant a lot to a lot of people that came out in that period of time. But my appreciation for him as to how, you know, that he he was on this tour where he was breaking it down. It was just him solo at a piano. Yeah, that's right. You know, this that's his latest thing. Um, the way that he moved on stage, the way that his band looked and the way that his band – I mean, he is in rarefied air in terms of God-given talent and doing the most with it. And the, actually, one of the most interesting reflections I have is thinking about – someone posted a video of him – very, very early on before he broke in a little tiny stage, um, you know, playing a, playing a, a medium sized club. And, uh, he was doing pretty much what you saw him doing after he broke. I mean, dancing like that, moving like that, playing like that. Um, and you think about, he had to come up through that same process. So when you talk about putting him on a pedestal, here's the interesting reflection of that Prince with all that God given talent and all that crazy imagination and vision, came up paying his dues. And, and and you think about that now in an era of American Idol and, and those types of things where, you know, and, you know, the, the manufactured bands that leapfrog that whole process. And you think about the people who were that wildly gifted and had to come up through that process of, you know, drudging out playing a Wednesday night and, you know, in Des Moines or something like that. Um, that's really was the thing that's amazing to me is that he, he wasn't, he always felt to me like he was kind of manufactured in some in some lab, right? You know, he was he was like untouchable from the time he broke. He he was just in a different place, kind of like Michael Jackson. Um, but there he was. I mean, you know, M- Michael Jackson, of course. You know, the Jackson Five, and you know, they're pretty big since he was pretty little. But there was Prince, just like you and I, playing on a Wednesday night, trying to build his career, trying to go over, and you know, playing his heart out. That that's kind of what struck me is is the amazing amount of talent, the amazing amount of vision and innovation, but he was like anyone listening to the show. He was a musician trying to get to the next level, he, and he it was. was pretty amazing. Now, the night that um, that all the news came out, I just happened to be hanging out with a friend of mine that uh, when he was in college, somehow I don't know the exact story, but he always wound up handling the coordination of the local road crew at his college, right? So bands would come in, they'd have their own crew and then uh, they would, you know, have locals that they help just like hump gear and, and mm-hmm. move stuff. And he would always hire his fraternity brothers to do that. Cause that's, you know, that's what you do when you're in college. right? And he said that in the span of a week and maybe even the span of like three days, he had uh, Prince came through and this was, you know, while Prince was on his way up, right it, it, at that point, you know, this was at the time, probably the biggest size theater he had played, you know, whatever the theater at this college was. And then like three or four days, either before or after that, he had uh, little Johnny Cougar playing there and they did the same thing, humping gear in and out. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the kids, you ask your parents. That's that's John Cougar Mellencamp or John <laughs> Mellencamp, if you, uh, if you don't know. Right. But um, he said, you know, Prince was the nicest guy to all of them. He actually uh, asked each of the guys, you know, each of the local guys, hey, so you're going to school here. What are you studying? Took an, a, a genuine interest in these people. I mean, he didn't spend hours with them because he had stuff to do. He was, you know, he had to work. But he he'd stopped and, and asked them their name and thanked them for their time and you know, this is really great. I love it when I get to meet people in each of these towns. Tell me what it's like going to school here. And he, and he even remembered him saying, make sure you, you study, you know, don't try to do what I do. This is really difficult. You know, it's a bad business. It's crazy, right? Really nice guy. And little Johnny Cougar was a jackass to everybody. Mm. It's so much so that his own road crew that was touring with him was handing him out of tune guitars and like, screw that guy. Oh, gosh. oh yeah. Yeah. So it was like this night and day thing, but yeah, no, I, I have heard not a single story uh, about Prince that, that, you know, that, that he was ever anything other than a absolute cordial, great guy. Uh, you know, and I actually find this encounter. remarkable because my impression from a distance that he would have been aloof, or right. maybe a prima donna or, you know, something. Um, so that, again, it's really remarkable, Yep. you know, that uh, this guy just transcended so many things, created images that worked for what he needed to do. And again, you know, I, well, we should spend our time just talking about it. this guy was a phenomenal guitar player. Well, that's phenomenal the Phenomenal guitar player. He was, I, I think it's fair to say that most of the time that he was on stage he was the absolute best musician on that stage yeah. on, on arguably any of the instruments, but certainly the best guitarist on stage. And the funny thing is most people had no idea because it wasn't important to Prince to project that, to communicate that to people. It was, you know, you, we talk about Prince coming across like a, a manufactured persona and it was, I think it, it truly was a manufactured persona. I think you had this really shy guy that wanted to be, you know, in this business and knew he had to have this thing. But I think for him, he's the one that crafted that persona, right? We compared to, you mentioned Michael Jackson, same kind of thing with this persona, but we know who crafted that or at least who started. And that was his father, right? We, we know mm -hmm. more of that story. We knew more of it as it was, you know, kind of, kind of as it happened. And while he was alive, whereas with Prince, we don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> he was so private. He was that, but, but he really was the, I mean, the best guitar player on stage, I would say probably 99% of the time that he stepped onto a stage, but it just wasn't in his persona that he had crafted to communicate that. You know, it was more, I mean, he was very successful and I don't think that was an accident. You know, he, he knew what he needed to deliver. He had this vision and it didn't include him being, you know, heralded as, you know, uh, get me on the cover of guitar player magazine, get me this, get me that, you know, it's like, no, no, let's, let's do this other thing. This is cool. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, I, I think about him as, as kind of a synthesis of, of Jimi Hendrix, totally. of James Brown. And I'm trying to think about what funk player to kind of, you know, put him in, in the, you know, it's kind of a yeah. parliament, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, real funk, right? And, you know, this is like what the greats do is they take that what influenced them and they, they fuse it and, and come up with something totally new and different and, and, you know, hardcore funk. I mean, this, yeah. he, the funkiest of all rock stars. Absolutely. Oh, totally. But then you would hear, you know, him play very Hendrix-ish, Hendrix-esque. Um, guitar solos, 
And, um, you know, and then writing great pop songs. I mean, I don't know. Do you have a favorite Prince song? I, I mean, I, I love, you and I played that, um, that uh, knockoff of, uh, of Raspberry yes. Beret. That oh, does. that's right. That, yeah, that, that's, it, in terms of playing, I've played a lot of Prince songs. Um, in terms of playing Prince tunes, that's my absolute favorite. But it, it was the Hindu Love Gods version right. of, of Raspberry Beret, which um, they basically turned into a three-chord rock tune. Um, like garage rock tune. Uh, and, the, and, and again, kids, actually anybody, most people probably don't know who the Hindu love gods were. It was, uh, one day Warren Zevon invited the, uh, three members of REM minus Michael Stipe. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't think there was any love loss. I think Michael just couldn't make it, but he invited the other three guys came over to Warren's house and they just started playing tunes and drinking beer and having fun. And, uh, they walked down to the local music store and bought a, a book off the shelf of like songs you could play on guitar easily. And it was like walking blues and crosscut saw and raspberry beret all on mm. this same album called Hindu love gods. And it's great. They're, you know, Warren's singing everything. It sounds fantastic. It's raw. It's a great sounding album. And, uh, and, and the, then raspberry beret just turns into, like you said, it's, it's just this, you know, kind of grunge rock. Yeah. It's like grunge rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's pounded out. And it's a, a fun little version of the tune. And it, it I played it in a band in college, actually. That was one that I had covered many, many times before I brought it to the All-Stars. But it's just... It's kind of an anthemic now. I mean, if you play it, people will sing that chorus. I that's mean, it's, the thing. It's yeah. that cool. Yeah. Actually, I should, with- I, we should bring that back to Fling because it's so easy. I mean, I could, you know, it's a one rehearsal tune, which for anybody that ever saw the Macworld All-Star Band knows, that's <laughs> all. one rehearsal band. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, this was this was the cost of entry was it had to be a one rehearsal tune. Yeah. Uh, if that. So, so yeah, that's, so my, that's my favorite, I think. Yeah. That's your favorite one? Yeah. We also we also covered another cover of, of Prince. We played Tom Jones version of Kiss. Nice. At that same gig, I think. I, oh, I have, us. Yes, yes, we, yes, we did. You and I did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, with again, Brian Chaffin singing it. And it was, funky, yeah. Funky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Little Red Corvette, we played that uh, in the acoustic trio on uh, Friday night. Someone wanted to hear some Prince. Mm. And so we, we pulled that out nice and easy. And that's the thing. These songs, for as produced as they were, they are structurally and melodically and harmonically great songs. Yep. You can do an acoustic version. Like I, I've been kind of futzing around with, with uh, Purple Rain, trying to see if there's something I could put into my show. And, uh, you know, these, these melodies ring over these chord progressions in such a beautiful way. And they're, they're great songs. Yeah. Did you see the thing? I, I posted it on our, uh, on our Facebook page, um, Nuno Betancourt. On, I think it was Thursday night. He he had a gig, and you know, had just found out Prince died, and so uh, he was playing with his band. But he he just did this thing where it was just him, and and he played and sang the first verse and chorus of, of Purple Rain. He just asked the audience. He's like, I, th- I feel like we should do something, and he did that, and and they sang the chorus with him, and it was really great. But that guy, you want to talk about somebody else who's really talented too? Yeah. yeah. And then. He launched in, non-Prince related, launched into this thing. I guess he had watched some kid uh, that on YouTube had put together, it was like, you know, some teenager or whatever, had put together all of his favorite Nuno Betancourt guitar licks. And Nuno watched it and he's like, that's a good idea. We should do that. So he and his band did it. And this, that guy, effortless. Did you watch that video? Oh. I haven't watched that one yet. Actually, oh. I thought I thought it was a repost of the thing that we put on a couple of weeks ago with uh, Steven Tyler. So I just oh, kind of glazed over it. Right. I'll go back and check it out. Right. That's right. No, it's totally worth 
watching. I mean, it just, I mean, the way that guy's hands just dance across the guitar strings effortlessly while he's just smiling and enjoying himself. It's like, dude, knock it off. And you know that it's a funny, there are those who, who get it. I guess there's kind of like three buckets. There's probably more, but, but try this on. So let's generalize. Sure. Let's, let's generalize. You know, there's, there's the guys who have got this God given talent. They just kind of get it. And then they just go off into the stratosphere. There are the guys who work their butts off and become workmanlike, you know, proficient. And then there really are. I mean, I know a lot of musicians who their, their skill levels haven't changed that much over the years. You know, it, it, some, but not like, not like the scale that you see the, either the, the gym rats, you know, who are working at it all the time or there's the naturally blessed. Yeah. You know, the, and I, th- I don't know if that's all aspects of life, but I will say this, you know, thinking about Prince, thinking about Betancourt, it is um, a humbling concept that even those with the God-given talent, and, and I think more often than not, you and I have talked about this, more often than not, those people that are, you know, in uh, um, amongst the gods, they're genuinely, generally quite humble and supportive and there, that's part of what makes being in this kind of fraternity of musicians kind of a, a very, very special thing is that, you know, you go to clinics, you, you know, that the gods give, yeah. <laughs> you go, you know, you meet them backstage. There's generally more better conversations that musicians appreciate that other musicians are just trying to put a little bit of love into the world, you know, through music. And totally. there's this, there's this common bond. So again, when I think of Prince right here and right now, like you said, any night, he was probably the best musician on stage. When you tell a story about in those early days that he was the nicest guy around, you know, um, it, yeah. it, it just kind of it makes you feel kind of you know warm and fuzzy that that you're part of this fraternity of people just trying to you know make vibrations go into the air and make the world a better place. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people eventually get to the point where they're nice. Um, you know, third, I, I'm talking about people that do it professionally and, and find their way up to the top. You know, I wonder how Johnny Mellencamp's doing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, my buddy was saying, he's like, you know, the bands that came through and it was like they're, they were sort of on their way down. You know, they'd already peaked and kind of came down and now they were finding their sort of plateau as a B level band or whatever. Those guys were, he said, were some of the nicest guys in the world too because they sort of understood. Like, uh, we're actually lucky to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he said, but it was the guys on their way up that it was rare to find them, you know, happy to be at this sort of mid-sized theater at this college. They were like, no, man, we deserve to be at the stadium. You know, it's wow. like, no, maybe, but you got to earn your way there. And that's cool. You know, good luck. Deserve but, is a deserve is a tough word. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. You deserve to be there when you're there, maybe. And that's the only time, you know, yeah. because you've earned it. And, and the reason you're there is because you've earned it. And if you're not there, you simply haven't earned it. And it doesn't mean that you're not talented. You might be or you might not be. It doesn't mean that you didn't work hard. You might have or you might not have. Um, but it, you have to do all of those things and have, you know, the stars align for you. And that's just how it works. You just, I think you got to, you know, once you and that's true in life. You know, it's not just music. You just got to know. Listen, it's even even despite your best efforts and hardest work, it's not always going to work out. And that's OK. That's life. But yeah, that, that's so, life. Right. You do it anyway. So you have um, Glenn Frey 
Glenn Fry, yep. David Bowie, and Prince. Let us hope we don't have to do another tribute show. Well, and there's Motorhead. I mean, there's so Lemmy rather. Um, there's so many more too this year. It's been crazy. I don't Let's know, hope man. we're done for a while. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is you know, I, I before the show, I joked with you and said this is oh yeah, it's time for our quarterly. You know, it's 2016 and uh, a, a, a music icon passed away. Talk. And you, you said, yeah, we could do this more than quarterly. I'm like, I know, I feel like we have to limit it to quarterly. This is not a good year, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. And like you said, people, um, people respect the print stuff. So it, it is nice when you can come out and just play something. And it's nice when you dig into one of these tunes and realize, Hey, wait a minute, I can't play it like Prince did, but I can play it because these songs are well-written it, that it's they they translate in so many different ways, and that's the right you know that he, he was a killer songwriter. I mean, there's you know yeah. Hopefully, people with all different types of bands are taking his stuff and doing interesting yeah. things with them. Country yeah. bands, Americana bands, acoustic acts, classical. You know, it, it that's that's the ultimate tribute. If this guy's music will yeah. transcend everything, and everybody can enjoy it regardless of the, the style. You know, the narrow niche that you you may have created for your band right play play a Prince song this weekend play a Prince song yeah it's fun that you'll 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 probably have i have I, I i told you that what my favorite was but there are no Prince songs that i've had the uh pleasure of playing that that i that i disliked it, it was always like oh there's always something to him like you said, he was a funky, funky cat. He was, funky, yeah, funky, but, funky. but he, even when you play it rocked out, it's like, oh, there's there's a cool little hook in this. Wow, look at that. Okay. But none of them are overly difficult to, to grasp. I mean, they might be, again, you can't play it like he did, but you can grok it fast enough that you're just like, yeah, let's go. It's good. Oh, here we are. The end of another gig, Gab, Paul. Good one. This was Rest in one. peace, Prince. Yeah, 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 and 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 everybody that we've lost this year too. It's um, yeah, you could build your set list just around musicians that passed away in the last twelve months. That would, I mean, <laughs> you'd have a pretty big catalog there and pretty varied catalog. Pretty interesting. Yeah, it is that time, Prince. It was not time, but the, you know, it is that time that uh, those sixties and seventies guys are yeah. getting that. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't, you know, um, a lot of them didn't, didn't, they didn't preserve themselves. They so didn't, well. Right, well, they didn't take care of themselves early on. I think a lot of them sort of, you know, came around and said, Whoa, I got to take care of myself. And, and, uh, cause I'm not Keith Richards and, uh, and I'm not going to make it, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the human body can only take so much, but, uh, it's too bad. It happens. Thankfully their music lives on. Right. And we can play it and enjoy it. That's a good thing. So, and Keith's still around for now to uh, to play his own music. So there's that. You know, uh, there you go. All right. Uh, feedback at giggabpodcast.com is where you can email us. But uh, we'd love to see you on Facebook. We have a lot of fun uh, interacting with everybody over there at facebook.com slash giggabpodcast. You got anything you want to say to him, Paul, as we, uh, as we fade out? Uh, boy, you, you caught me with that one, Dave. I know. I um, hope people are enjoying the show. Yes. Um, let us hear from you on Facebook because... We're thinking about making this move over to more of a group format and, you know, stimulate a little bit more cross conversation from you guys. But we just want to make sure that there's enough of you out there that are interested in doing that type of thing. It seems like the traffic is growing, the listens are growing and, and uh, the interaction of Facebook, which is really cool. But we know that there's a lot of you out there. So tell people about tell people about the show and help us grow the show. And we'll keep doing what we're doing. Sweet. Sounds like a plan. Fun chatting, Paul. Folks, we'll Thanks, see Dave. you uh, next week. 